and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me. New York talk show host Shannon Joy is here with us as well because the Dace Group will be with you in a matter of moments. If you want to let us know, though, what you think about what we think, steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show for those of you listening via Blaze Radio uh, or the podcast. Uh, the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And if you are listening via podcast today, if uh, you would mind leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, while you're there, we would greatly appreciate it. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll get to some of the feedback that you've been sending us on Facebook, Twitter. That is when we actually, uh, Facebook acknowledges us, Facebook, Twitter, as well as via email. But first, we begin with the Dace Group. Brought to you by our friends at Real Estate Agents I Trust. Are you thinking of buying or selling a home this year? Then realestateagentsitrust.com is for you. What separates this referral service from others you may see out there is those are really uh, devised in order to help real estate agents get business, to help them find clients like you. In the case of Real Estate Agents I Trust, it was created by Glenn Beck and his friends about six years ago because they were tired of real estate agents that talked a good game and then didn't deliver the results when needed the most. So they wanted to set up a referral service to help customers like you find the right agents. These are agents that have volunteered to be vetted, to be scrutinized, to be transparent and held accountable, which increases the odds that your endeavor to buy or sell your home will be successful. Again, buy or sell your home at the right time and the right price for you. Do it with our friends at Real Estate Agents I Trust. Visit the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's get to issue one. It was always a lie. So I guess this probably wasn't the best week for Nancy Pelosi to be confirmed as a speaker for the next American-Israel Public Affairs Committee conference. This comes a week after she and her party's leadership tried and failed to put forth legislation condemning specifically anti-Semitism. The House measure originally, which all but called out Minnesota Congresswoman Ilan Omar for her recent past and ongoing anti-Semitic remarks, didn't have enough votes for just calling out anti-Semitism. So then it called out anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. And when it still didn't have enough votes, a resolution was finally passed condemning all forms of hate. In the intersectionality Olympics playing out in Washington recently, Jewish people lost and Elon Omar and her ilk won. First question to our panel here on your weekly look at the week that was. Lost in the shuffle of the Democratic Party embracing anti-Semitism in recent days, is Nancy Pelosi really admitting that cultures dominated by Islam are inherently anti-Semitic. I mean, that was essentially her defense of Ilan Omar this week, that that's her life experience coming from Somalia, a culture that is dominated by Islam, and therefore she can't be held accountable for her anti-Semitism. How should this admission change our thinking in terms of policy, multiculturalism, et cetera? Todd, I'll start with you. 
Well, I mulled this over for a little bit and nothing instantly came to mind in a way that I thought I could present seriously um, just because of the nature of the beast of those who would carry the water for us. Um, but ultimately, I got down to where, Steve, you've been many times in the past. Um, uh, this is actually, it's not necessarily intuitive to get to it right away, but I think this is uh, fundamentally a courts issue. All of these things get down to the fact that if you do not get a hold of the courts, which have been constantly trending to the victories of those things which are against traditional Western civilization and foundational American principles. Um, you just have to throw this in with a lot of things that the court has usurped. In America, that is, is strong legislatively and, and uh, proactive along those lines has a chance to deal with not only this issue, but many, many others. So th to me, this is way broader than the specificity of the question at hand, but it's a very powerful one to bring up the fact this is why you have to reign in the, the courts because uh, both the uh, executive and the legislative branch are supposed to, they are supposed to be a reflection of us and our will. And it is abundantly clear that us and our will do not matter as long as the courts have as much power as they have, because as Steve said this week, they hate you. Shannon, what do you think? You know, anti-Semitism is a funny thing. It, I was surprised early on in my career when I first started my program about six years ago. I remember one of the things that, that surprised me the most was discovering um, a strain of anti-Semitism actually on the right. You know, as I approached certain topics and subjects, there was this on the far, far right of the political spectrum. And I think in the Democrat Party, on the far, far left of the spectrum exists that same kind of strain of anti-Semitism. And this is mainstream thinking in the Muslim world. So, you know, she is reflecting the dominant uh, theology, the, the dominant ideas coming out of, of Somalia, which are radically anti-Semitic, and want to see Israel wiped off the face of the map. But I think that these discussions are largely are political. You know, I, the, the discussions about the anti-Semitism of one congresswoman is really the left's means to an end. And I think what they're they're looking to do at a higher level is demonize and isolate Jews demonize and isolate Israel uh, so that they can promote things like boycott, divest, sanction, which is the, the BDS movement, which mm -hmm. isolates Israel economically, and also fight to, to uh, rise up the Palestinians and create an atmosphere that is that is sympathetic to Hamas and, and Palestine so that they can come up with new borders for Israel. Essentially, this is about erasing borders. It's about Israel's sovereignty at, at, the, at a basic level and its right to exist. It's very similar to what we're seeing happening in the United States of America with, with our, our border discussion today. This, this is all about, and, and what is quite frankly a, a little bit scary, is to see people like Jared Kushner, I call him President Kushner because he's calling all the shots now, but to see that he was just in the Middle East a few weeks ago talking about erasing borders. Yeah. Uh, had President Trump talking about a two-state solution. Mm -hmm. And so you know, we tend to focus on these radical statements by some low-level congresswoman, and they are. They're vile. They're disgusting. She shouldn't say them. She should be held to account. But that's part of a larger picture that is is um, emerging here, and that really is a push towards a, a, a globalist government, the erasure of nations, languages, cultures, sovereignty, and what's playing out 
there is playing out right here in the U.S. It's the number one issue, and, and the right is not focusing on it either. In fact, if anything, um, they're they're aiding and abetting that movement. Well, you mentioned uh, co-president uh, Jared Kushner, who's a progressive. And you know, one thing I've I've what I hear you saying, Shannon, is sort of a uh, an update of something I've said to our audiences for years, going back to when I was first starting out in local radio as myself. The progressivism is about one thing: control. All right. All these things, all these other manifestations, multiculturalism, intersectionality, you know, whatever, you know, it was multiculturalism in the 90s and 2000s. It's intersectionality now. Tolerance, diversity, redefining marriage, shout your abortion or what a woman does with her doctors, none of your business, whatever the talking point du jour is at the moment. Its end game is always a deconstruction of the existing power base right. so that progressives can get control instead. And and with and, and so this anti-Semitism, you know, because I, I, I've seen some of this on the right uh, early in my career. Particularly, I saw this with certain vestiges of the Ron Paul movement, uh, hyper-secular libertarians or hyper-Calvinistic libertarians that have a, a you know a, an eschatological view that sometimes is called replacement theology, which isn't necessarily exactly what that means, but that's kind of the, a, a term du jour that gets thrown around. Um, but but that's a different level of anti-Semitism than what we're seeing from the left. That's that's more of a theological driven one. Well, and I would say the one from the left is a theologically driven one as well, but it's not driven from a theological premise of, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the traditional, when we've seen anti-Semitism prop up amongst faux Christianity, it's been, well, the Jews killed Jesus kind of stuff. Not, you know, no, you're, you're, Jesus went to the cross for your sins. No, what we, we're seeing on the left is a different theological uh, anti-Semitism, which is if, if, if Israel just stopped asserting its own national interests, if it just gave up more and more of its land, if it just stopped actually, uh, you know, practicing its own sovereignty, then the Muslims would leave it alone. It's this. It's the progressive wish casting in the way that they see the world, Shannon. And that's where I would say this is a little bit different than the anti-Semitism yeah. from the right that you're describing, which I've seen in my own line of work as well. I agree with you 100%. I think your assessment is correct. The danger of the leftist anti-Semitism is that it has a larger and broader goal, and that is a deconstruction of, of borders and nations. Mm. Essentially. Which is exactly what Jared Kushner said in that clip. If we just yeah. got rid of borders, then you know we could all just exchange wampum and get along, and, and we wouldn't have terrorism, right? That's what he says in the clip you're referring to. Yeah. yeah. Aaron, your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I think there are a couple of a couple of things, and I don't want to. I don't think I'm stepping on a later topic down the road here in 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 day's group. But if you are looking for examples of what's going on with the left nowadays, that makes you think this is a movement as opposed to a cult. Keep looking uh, because this is not one of them. This is totally indicative of a cult and that cult is the cult of intersectionality along the lines of everything that you and Shannon just said in the last few minutes um, we it, it's clear right now that this whatever this was anti-semitism concerns about anti-semitism were getting in the way of one faction or maybe the mob um, having control or total control um, of of or you know of what they're trying to do right now this is a, and what did i what did i make the number one seed overall last week in intersectionality mad, madness it was muslim atheist vegan lizard people uh because that's just a stand-in for anything anything that is the most iconoclastic 
And right now, we're seeing the same thing on this issue. We'll see it with others, as we've seen with abortion in recent years. You just mentioned it. Um, we started from the present, uh, from the from the premise. Our, our syllogism for on uh, pro life starts from the premise that murder is wrong. They have completely, completely thrown out that premise. Now they don't care if murder is wrong. They just want to kill the babies. Um, this is what we're talking about. It doesn't matter that anti-Semitism is wrong. I don't care if anti if I have to be anti-Semitic to get what I want, mm -hmm. I'll be anti-Semitic. That's what we're seeing right yep. now yep. because this is a cult. Now, what we're going to be talking about later, I won't say any more right now, but that I think that will come into play with what, what we're talking about. Whatever, whatever means necessary gets me the control I want. Yes. I will justify. Exit question. Over the last eight presidential elections, going back 32 years now uh, to 1988, uh, the Democrats have averaged 74% of the Jewish vote in those last eight presidential elections. Are you taking the over or under on that number for whoever the Democrat nominee is in 2020? Todd? I'm definitely uh, going under, and that's the importance of having what, and it was by accident, seeing what we saw legislatively with the argument and the, where she couldn't control her caucus. Normally, we just go straight to the courts. Mm -hmm. It's, oh, a Muslim ban. And then we're the right is just doing this rearguard act, fighting against that. No, it, it, it's going to have an effect because we saw what we saw play out in the legislature, and that's how things are supposed to work. Shannon, you're there in New York where a lot of that Jewish vote is predominantly located. What do you think? Are you taking the over or the under in the next election? I'm going over. Uh, the Jewish population is progressive first, Democrat first, and Jewish second. That's, so. I, I hear that from a lot of the, the conservative uh, or religiously observant to members of our audience, the Jewish members of our audience. That's exactly what I hear from them constantly. Aaron, what do you think? Exact same answer as Shannon. Hmm. Isn't it interesting? Can I just say one thing, though? Isn't it amazing that that after all this, the Republicans initiated this fight. We were the ones that, you know, went after this congresswoman for her anti-Semitic statements. Isn't it amazing that all of this culminates? It ends in a a piece of legislation restricting speech in the United States. Of America. I mean, after all of this, we we picked this fight. We, you know, we put this at the top of our radar. We push it out through all conservative media. And what do we get? A, a leftist speech controlling hate speech bill. It's just, I don't know, crazy. I just think that's amazing. We'll get to issue two here in a moment. Uh, do you have itchy ears, ear pain, or that plugged up feeling? Are you constantly asking people to repeat themselves if those problems sound familiar to you? You know, we're getting out of the winter uh, from hell, but now we're getting into spring and allergy season. So these symptoms could persist. You may think I'm going to be forced to visit a doctor for a professional ear cleaning, but now you can get the same results in the comfort and convenience of your own home and without a prescription as well, courtesy of our friends at WaxRx, which uses physician-developed technology that will safely and effectively remove earwax buildup and then soothe the ear with a pH-conditioned formula. You can try the WaxRx system risk-free today. Just go to usewaxrx.com. That's the website, all one word, usewaxrx, all one word, usewaxrx.com, and use the offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Finally, a real solution for that stubborn earwax buildup, usewaxrx.com, usewaxrx.com. Com, offer code radio. Let's get to issue two. What fresh hell is this? Then why was it me who was the only one who lost everything? It wasn't. The Joker chose me because you were the best of us. He wanted to prove that even someone as good as you 
could fall. And he was right. Cool Liberty score there, bro. It'd be a shame if anything happened to it. First, it was criminal justice deform. It matters to America, Governor, because we have a federal criminal justice system that needs to be more effective and more efficient. Now, it's paid family leave. I think most people would look at this as an opportunity that they might not otherwise have. An opportunity to benefit from uh, payments that they've been making already for years. Why is the U.S. so far behind the rest of the industrialized world on this issue? Well, I think that is a really great question. And that's why we have decided now is the time to step up and really do something about this. We think it's time to catch up with other countries. You either die conservative or live long enough to see yourself become a sellout. Yikes. So, Mike Lee's last three major acts in Congress. I, I, <laughs> I, sometimes I doubt, I, maybe I don't really believe in total depravity after all. Okay. Because I, I thought I was never going to say, do this segment like ever, like ever. Okay. <sighs> Mike Lee's last three major acts in Congress have been pushing to let drug dealers out of prison in praise of CNN self-admitted communist Van Jones, creating an entitlement for family medical leave, and then opposing President Trump's emergency border declaration on the grounds that he's defending the Constitution. What the hell's going on here, Todd? What, what is this? Listen, I... I tried to think about this from my own perspective. I don't know him. How well do you know him? Just I, I, can't I mean, we would know each other on a first yeah. name basis, but I mean, it's not met- like me and Ted Cruz or somebody like that, for example. Okay, I, I've never met him. But, but my feel for him is undeniably philosophically conservative, but he's never struck me as attitudinally conservative. What do you mean by that? In my life, and I think the time when that, here and no further comes mm-hmm. along in a way that's way more about the white paper and hobnobbing in Congress. You know, when there's the fist in your face, you know, who are you? What will you do? And I think a guy like him just got to the point where attitudinally he couldn't do it anymore. He needed to, he needed some notches on his bedpost. It's not enough for him to just be the man alone. Um, standing athwart of history. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that, and I got to feel like, I, what am I doing here? I get it's hard. And I understand that as a man. And I think this is why we have focused so much on this story the last couple of days, because the clip from the dark night that Aaron used is so is so yeah. paramount here. And not saying that he's Harvey Two-Face, but, no, what, but what Batman says is. Yes, yes. Th- that this is why. Yeah, you have to understand, I, this is something maybe we should have stressed when we first brought this up. Do you know how many times they beat down the door of Mike Lee to get him to go down this road before we... Sure, like, yeah. like Mike Lee didn't go from 100% Liberty score to last Christmas, hey, let's change. No, no, no. They have been pounding, they've been beating on his door to find what his pressure point was from three seconds yes. after y'all sent yes. him there. Agreed. All right. And after a while, you do start. It, it's human freaking nature, man. Yeah. You bad company corrupts good character. After a while, you look around and think, 
you know what, man? What, what am I? What am I doing here? I mean, how many more? How many more symposiums at FreedomWorks can I do? How many more hits on Daniel Horowitz's podcast can I do? Right. What are we doing here? I know. What are we doing? Yeah. I got it. I'm, 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 I'm away from my kids. I'm away from my family. Can I point to something tangible that I'm doing here other than just ranting and raving at the, at, you know, at the system, basically shaking a fist at the, at, at, at you know, Mother Nature, and that's where they finally. Right. And it comes always when your party gets back into power too. That's why I kept asking the question: Would he have been on there with, with uh, pushing, you know, Michelle Obama's idea of family medical leave? And we all know the answer is what? No. Shannon, what do you think? You know, in times like these, number one, politics, from my experience, is basically a series of heartbreaks, one after another, after another. And in times like these, I just have to go to Jesus because, there, you know, and it reminded me of, and people ask me often, why are people corrupted? Why do you think people get so corrupted in D.C.? And it reminds me of the parable of the sower. And there's not really any one reason why there isn't one catch-all reason that people go to Washington DC and lose their souls but you know when he was asked they you know they asked Jesus why do people fall away why do they reject the truth and he said well you know it's like a sower scattering the seed and and some of the seed falls on a rocky path it's very shallow and the birds gobble gobble it up really quickly never had time to take root other seeds fall in rocky places there's a little bit of soil and they can sprout up a little bit and just start to get going, but because of all the rocks, the sun eventually comes out and scorches them, and they fall away as well. You know, uh, some of them fall among the thorns, and they're actually able to grow, and they're rooted in the ground, they're able to grow, but eventually the thorns come in and sub, sub, uh, consume them, and, and they fall away. And then some of the seeds fall on fertile ground, and they're able to grow, they're able to thrive, and they're able to pull, pull forth that, that, that Christ message. I think that people like Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, those good people that go to Washington, D.C., are among the thorns. Mm -hmm. I think that they are rooted. They know the truth. They, they, they understand the truth, but it's choked out. And that is because Washington, D.C. is an old, decrepit, corrupted wineskin. And if you put anything new, the new wine into the old wineskin, it will kill both of them. The clock is ticking. They're like, it, it, yeah. it, you're, you are everything you just said. Nailed we, it. We, perfect. You nailed it. I mean, I, I talked about this earlier this week. It, it's why five years ago, I sat in an Irish pub uh, three blocks from the Capitol with John Drogan, Jason Johnson, and now Congressman Chip Roy, who were Ted Cruz's original inner sanctum when he got elected, first got elected to the Senate. And they were discussing the opera, you know, what was the, what was the environment like in Iowa and should he run for president? And the advice I gave them was, if you're thinking about doing it, do it before you think you're ready, not after you think you're ready. Cause everybody, I don't care what integrity they come here with, who it is, the clock is ticking the longer they're here because it is the capital. It is district one. The swamp is president snow. Uh, the Democrats are president snow and the Republicans are Al McCoyne and they are, it, the Republicans are the false front. And you think all this time that you are fighting for freedom amongst your peers. And then sooner or later you realize you're the Katniss Everdeen of the story and you make your decision. You have to decide, do I make my peace with it? Very few people will do the Katniss Everdeen solution. Uh, most people will, in the end, they will make their peace with the fact that, well, you know, it's better than the alternative. Aaron? Yeah, yeah that was very well said, Shannon, as well. Um, this is, this is, why, why do you think, uh, 
people don't go to Washington and get corrupted. Let's put it, let's dispel that notion once and for all. Corrupt people go to Washington because we're all corrupt. It's only by the good grace of God that people actually stay with some modicum of character and integrity uh, the longer they stay. That That's only by God's grace. But why do you think Jesus tells his disciples, uh, kick the dust off your sandals and move on to the next town? I think one of the reasons why is because you stare into the swamp long enough, the swamp starts to stare mm-hmm. back at you. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see every all of the time. And we need to understand that. And I think pray, we should always be praying for our, our uh, what did we talk about yesterday in Colossians? We always be praying for our leaders. Um, never give, even our Mike Lees and our Ted Cruz, if they start to go off the, the uh, you know, go out and left field on some of these things, hold them accountable. We shouldn't just cut them any more slack than we would cut somebody who's got a D after their name. But I think it will help us for all of the people in Washington, all of the leaders that we pray for, to keep that in mind, that they are not incorruptible figures. They didn't go to Washington and get corrupted. They are corrupt people who went to Washington and by only by the grace of God are sustained in any modicum of, um, of integrity or uh, steadfastness. I think that needs to be at the forefront of our mind. Um, again, not not to put these people on a pedestal at, at the same time as well, because they are just as prone to human nature as the rest of us. The the, the generational perspective there. Did you see that? You see the difference. You, there's here's the difference. What I heard and the difference between what Aaron and Shannon said is. You see the millennial perspective of zero aspirational hope in Aaron's perspective. This idea that um, I'm not inheriting any of this nanny state. I'm not inheriting any of this legacy, any of this birthright. So I don't really buy into anything noble and virtuous from the outset in any of these systems that you guys are handing down to me that are, uh, you know, beds of thorns uh, to borrow uh, Shannon's. Uh, wordplay from uh, the scripture. Did you kind of pick up on some of that generationally? Yeah. Well, yeah, watching she talks go- about heartbreak, and we talk about we, we all. We're just we're nostalgic. We grew up in because a country we saw. Of, yeah. what, yes, we 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 were our generation Gen X is in the midst of this transition. His yeah. generation, the millennial generation, they're downhill, and that and 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 which direction does the crap roll? It always rolls downhill. <laughs> they're at the bottom of the hill, you know. So they're not watching any transition. They're just watching the flowage. Um, the thing with this too is watching the reaction of the smart set to Ben Sass right now plays is the exact no conversation kidding. we're having uh, in the inverse. So they really thought Ben Sass was only criticizing Trump because Orange Man bad, right? Yeah. And and then they kind of thought that Sass was still playing ball when he was when he made when he brought up the pro life resolution because he got McConnell to sign off on it. But man, if you should have seen the meltdown of Smart Set Twitter yesterday yep. when Sass voted for border protections with the president, suddenly now, suddenly every 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 criticism Sass had of Trump was all opportunism. And now this is opportunism as well, because you know what they forgot is, you know, what's funny is Sass is actually doing what we were begging him to do all of last year on this show. Remind people you have a, you are a conservative. It's not your criticism of Trump that is getting you in trouble with your base. It's the fact that your base, it's not about Trump as much as show. Cause if you're only, if you're only, your base only sees you pushing back on Trump, then they think you're against them. 
Remind them that you have this Liberty score at, at our website for a reason. And man, if they were the smart set on Twitter lost their collective feces yesterday when their when their last chance gasp of hope of orange man bad uh, when SAS voted to for border protection. Oh my. Oh my, you guys saw that, right? Yesterday. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. People oh. coming after us too. I can't believe I we pointed out, I can't believe I used to listen to you guys and like yeah. you guys, you total sell it. So we just yeah. did a, several segments this week that were the the reverse. We were talking about uh, why it's not good to worship Trump, but yeah, yeah, whatever, I guess. Exit question. What was creepier this week? Watching Mitt Romney blow out his birthday candles. That one. <laughs> That's Whatever's after that, it's that one. Uh or I, yeah. and and props to Aaron for taking for not including that video. I told him I don't want to see it. I can't watch it again. It's very creepy. Or watching Mike Lee pimp a nanny state program literally called, and I'm not making this up, the Cradle Act. What was creepier, Todd? That's Romney blowing out the birthday it's candles. It's still Romney. What do you think, Aaron? What was creepier? I'm glad Todd said that because I kind of didn't have the intestinal fortitude. I didn't think I was going to have the intestinal fortitude to say that. But yeah, it's the Mitt Romney thing. Shannon, what was creepier? These people are aliens from another planet. I mean, I don't understand that. Who does that? Who um, a synthetic life form picks up one birthday candle at a time, blows it out, and sets it down. That, that you know who does that? That Daniel Day Lewis does that. That's why he creeps me out because he's like yeah. a synthetic life form act, pretending to be human, who's actually human. Yes, that that's then, that's he gets the video. He gets the video from the girl who took it. Yes, and thinks it's the coolest video in the world, and that's really, and then yes. posts it out. Like, okay, we need to stop talking about it. I, I'm, I, it's creeping me out. We'll be back more live and on demand on the Blaze. Stay tuned. <laughs> Homeowners, beware. Every time you read about a data breach of a major lending institution or a chain uh, of, uh, of businesses, uh, be careful because it could potentially expose us to home title fraud. Now, you might be thinking, hey, I've got identity theft protection, uh, so I've got nothing to worry about. Now, if you don't have identity theft protection, uh, you should. But uh, the reason why scammers can still take advantage of, uh, of you, if you've got a mortgage, a refi, or a HELOC through a major bank, is because now they have the sort of information you use when you do a business with a third party online. Um, you know, they may have the last four digits of a social, a checking account number, uh, a middle initial, uh, a maiden name, Wh- whatever you use to verify that you are you. When you do business with a third party online, they now have that as well. And they're now using that to go after the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have, their own home, because a lot of our home titles are now online. So they log on to the website there in your community, claim that they are you with this verifiable information, forge your signature. And then now maybe they're refiling your home or they're taking out loans on your equity and sticking you with the payments. There was a big story about this recently. Family in Philadelphia kept waking up and seeing their home was for sale. They weren't the ones selling it. Some guy in North Carolina was doing this to them. So don't let that happen to you, especially when for just pennies a day, it won't. Through our friends at Home Title Lock. And you can find out right now if your home has been targeted with a free title scan and report at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Let's get to issue three. 
can Whitey win? As of March 15th, 2019, here are a list of Democrats who have announced they're running for president, ranked in order of how they fall on the intersectionality totem pole. At number 16, it's Washington State Governor Jay Inslee. At number 15, it's former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper. Number 14, former Maryland Representative John Delaney. Number 13, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Number 12, former Texas Senate candidate Beto O'Rourke. At number 11, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Number 10, New York businessman Andrew Yang. Number 9, Miramar, Florida Mayor Wayne Messam. Number 8, former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Julian Castro. Number 7, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker. Number 6, spiritual author Marianne Williamson. Number 5, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar. Number 4, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. Number three, New York Senator Kristen Gillibrand. Number two, Hawaii Representative Tulsi Gabbard. And number one, California Senator Kamala Harris. Now, our operation is small, but there's a lot of potential for aggressive expansion. So which of you fine gentlemen would like to join our team? Oh, there's only one spot open right now, so we're going to have tryouts. First question, do you believe a white male can win the 2020 Intersectionality Olympics known as the Democratic presidential primary? And if so, which one? Shannon, I'll start with you. Well, sure, I think so. It, it all depends. You know me. I, I think all of this is rigged anyway. So, you know, this is a big DC reality TV infotainment show, and they probably already know the candidate that they want to pick or they want to push. And so they're going to give the Democrat uh, voters an opportunity to think they have a say in the matter. It's going to be highly scripted. But at the end of the day, whoever the planners want to be the nominee will be the person who is the nominee. So like the and last Democratic like presidential primary. Yeah. So, I mean, if it, it, they tell they tell their voters what they're going to get. And right now, yes, the new, the new hot thing is to really hate white males and do the whole intersectionality thing. But when they decide they're done with that, then they'll move on to something else. And so, yeah, I think it's uh, if, if they want a white male, they'll get a white male. I don't think it will be, by the way. I think they will go with a, a woman, uh, potentially a, a woman of color. But um, yeah, if they want to go for it. Todd? Listen, this brings me back to Congress again and, and what happened with, with Omar. Yeah, Shannon, you're right. It, 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 the show is still there uh, in part. Uh, but we are uh, also dealing with the fact that it, they can't control that caucus anymore. I mean, the, 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 the monster is increasingly becoming uh, self-aware. And how that plays out with that many people up on the stage. Listen, I think Joe Biden has zero shot. I think if these people eat each other up, I think Bernie Sanders has a shot because of he is a died in the wool socialist. So he has a base that won't desert him he, even he, for over intersectionality. So he can hang on for a while, but people are going to have to eat themselves up because of the intersectionality scale. The one who has the best chance by far is Beto. Because, listen, this is the, the, the male that they've been creating in their lab for a long time. I mean, he's... He, he, he's beta 
all the way through. Not Beto, Beta all the way through. They like that. He's a success story for them. He's got a real shot. And 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 it's from the state that he's from as well. All right, I want to make sure we have time for issue four. So exit question, and Aaron, I'll let you go first. If the odds a white male is accepting the Democratic nomination for president at their convention in Milwaukee in 2020 were the title of a Full House episode featuring Aunt White Privilege Becky, which Full House episode title would it be? And these are actual titles of Full House episodes. A, The Last Dance. B, The Test. C, Just Say No Way. Or D, Girls Will Be Boys. Aaron. Um, girls Will Be Boys. <laughs> the Test. The Test. Shannon. I read this like three times and could not understand what, how to do it. Because I'm thinking I'm looking for high odds or low odds. And then trying to figure out, well, which which title would represent high odds or just answer the just, question, just, just, woman. Just answer the question. I wasn't please. great at math. I don't. I girls will be boys. Okay. Issue four: white privilege. You know, a lot of people talk about racial prejudice, and some people have gone so far as to say that there are actually two Americas: one black and one white. But talk is cheap, so I decided to look into the problem myself, firsthand, to go underground and actually experience America as a white man. I hired the best makeup people in the business. If I was going to pass as a white man, everything had to be perfect. Mm, I think that's a little light. Okay, let's try this. This, uh... I look kind of Harry Reams-ish. Mm, I like it. I study for my role very carefully. I watch lots of Dynasty. See? See how they walk? Their butts are real tight when they walk. They gotta keep their butts tight. I gotta remember to keep my, my butt real tight when I walk. And I read a whole bunch of Hallmark cards. You're my only wife. You always mean lots more to me than you could ever guess, for you have done so much to fill my life with happiness. Finally, I was ready. What are you doing? I'm buying this newspaper. That's all right. There's nobody around. Go ahead, take it. Take it. Go ahead, take it. Yeah, take it. Slowly, I began to realize that when white people are alone, they give things to each other for free. <laughs> there was only one other black man on the bus. 
He got off on 45th Street. serious than I'd ever imagined. Now, let me get this straight, Mr. Uh, Mr. White. You'd like to borrow $50,000 from our bank, but you have no collateral, you have no credit, you don't even have any ID. Is that correct? That's right. <laughs> Mr. White, I'm sorry. This is not a charity. This is a business. Uh, and Harry, why don't you uh, take your break now? I'll take care of... Uh, Mr. White. Well, okay. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> that was a close but one. <laughs> we don't have to bother with these formalities, do we, Mr. White? Huh? <laughs> what a silly Negro. <laughs> Just take what you want, Mr. White. Pay us back any time, or don't. We don't care. <laughs> that clip is 35 years old now. One of the all-time classic SNL moments, it's 35 years old. And it seems like the more things have changed... Uh, the more they haven't changed. Uh, let's get to the uh, question here. What is it you always wanted to do? Or where is it you always wanted to go that if you actually had white privilege, you would have made it happen? Todd. Well, I'm thinking in the context of what we just watched, what people do for their kids. Uh, it, I wouldn't be raising my kids like they were no matter how much money I had. Uh, but it would be cool if uh, the, the big game or the, the World Cup or something, I could say... Yeah, we're taking three weeks off. We're going to Brazil. And Family. we're white, we're, so we need the tickets. Thanks. We're going, we're going to the World Cup. Yeah. Where, where, where would you like to exercise your white privilege, Aaron? Well, as you, as all of you know, I'm I'm a really nice guy. Um, I like to I like to dish out. Uh, I just like to encourage people a lot, as you guys also know. Uh, and giving out compliments is one of those things. However, if I had white privilege, one day. I would, I would like to be able to compliment certain basketball players by comparing them to King Kong with oh impunity. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shannon, where would you like to exercise your white privilege that you allegedly have? white privilege, then I would probably do a lot more traveling. I've always wanted to go to Israel. So that is like top on my list. It's the first place I would go if I were ever to travel internationally. So that's what I would do with the family, of course. You know, if I could have used my white privilege back in the, uh, the spring of 1991, when the University of Michigan told me that I, I could not be accepted as a student because the math score on my ACT was too low. And even though the rest of my grades were great, I'm just terrible at math. Um, 
And so they told me my math score on the ACT was too low. And I was going to have to go to community college uh, at least for a year to get my math score up. I wish I would have thought of this at the time that if, if somebody could have, would have told me, I simply just could have called the admissions office at the university of Michigan and just said, Hey, I'm white. Uh, and I'm going to exercise my privilege here for you to disregard my math score and uh, allow me uh, in. And while you're at it, uh, throw in uh, the best uh, seats uh, in the student section uh, at the big house uh, as well. Uh, because again, those are simply reserved for the white people with our privilege. I, uh, that's where I would have exercised my white privilege if I could have. Let's get to our predictions. Aaron, I'll start with you. So within 60 days, because there are going to be more and more people coming to Iowa with the weather getting um, warmer, more and more presidential candidates on the Democrat side of the ticket, I think coffers are going to start drying up. And I think we will see at least one declared Democrat candidate for the Democrat nomination uh, suspend his or her campaign within the next 60 days. I think that's a safe bet. I mean, I, I didn't know who some of those candidates were. You mentioned that no, piece. No. I didn't know the. I didn't know the mayor of or the mayor of Miramar. Miramar. My, my, <laughs> no, Miramar. Yeah, I think it's Miramar, Florida. Yeah, I, I had no idea the mayor of Miramar, Florida, was running. Is that where Top Gun is? Miramar. Yeah. Is that what it, where it is? How about I pulled that one out of the so. old? Uh, oh, that's backside. in California. Though, uh, I think there's Miramar. a Miramar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomato, tomato. Run Todd, on. your prediction. Uh, Avengers Endgame. Uh, regarding the end, and people are talking about it a lot because of the trailer. Uh, Steve's right. There's going to be a sacrifice required. I think there's going to be a plot contrivance that it's either going to be required or somehow both Iron Man and Captain America die, but somehow one of them gets spit back uh, and will be part of the future. And I think Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man is going to be part of this universe for a long time to come. It makes sense for several reasons. He seems to have fun doing it, and he can get old and still contribute, Captain America kind of can't. I mean, sure. you can't be Captain American when Chris Evans is 60 years old. But Robert Downey Jr. can keep doing this jam and cashing the checks for a long time. Why wouldn't he? He's almost 60 years old. Oh, yeah. All right, Shannon, your prediction? I think that there's going to be an outlier in the Democratic uh, nomination process. So I think that uh, someone is going to emerge, maybe a celebrity, a high-profile character, um, on the Democrat side that will shake up the nomination because it's a little boring right now. So they got to shake it up. My prediction is uh, Beto is going to be on the 2020 Democratic ticket. And I'll give you 168,000 reasons why. Because that's how many more votes he got last year in Texas statewide than Hillary Clinton did in the presidential election. And uh, midterm elections are always a lower turnout. He way outperformed her in a lower turnout election. It's just a matter whether he's a top or a bottom, but there's no way they can just say, we're going to just forget about the fact you polled almost 200,000 more votes in that state that we've been trying to topple for 10 years now than our last presidential nominee. That's way too tempting to just leave he, that sitting on the sidelines. He would I have believe. to flame out so hard for that not to happen. Now, if he keeps coming to rural Iowa, dropping Tinder references, all right, that may happen. Okay. Oh, there's a chance. So there, there, there's always a chance. Yes, but uh, it's really hard to look at 168,000 new voters and say, "Nah, we're really not that interested." I, I have a, I have a hard time believing the Democrats uh, can say no to that. Shannon, it's always good to see you. Thank, Thank you. you for joining us here. Take care. All right, hour number two. Um, we're going to have uh, an email we're going to feature at the start of uh, Feedback Friday, uh, as well as, um, sorry, I'm pausing because my clock stopped working 
on my computer. So I literally don't know what time it is. About two and a half minutes. All right, now I know. Okay. So we're going to have an email uh, that we're going to feature at the top of uh, the hour in our Truth Bomb segment to kick off Feedback Friday that I think summarizes a lot of when, when people are earnestly skeptical. Not when it's, I, I don't want to believe. Um, I, 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 it, it's not convenient for me to believe this. But rather when they're earnestly skeptical and they say, I, I just can't get there. And here are the reasons why. And, and we're going to have an email that we're going to feature uh, to lead off next hour that probably touches on almost every one of those common objections that you hear. And this is where we need to remember that people are people and not constructs, okay? That, yes, some of these are, what's the difference between um, I'm skeptical or I'm uttering a canard? Because skeptics can utter canard as what canards as well. Um, the difference, it becomes a canard when you are repeating something that has in your midst routinely been blown up as a fallacy, but you just persist in repeating it because it fits whatever your agenda is at the time. Think that's fair? You know, like why, why aren't you still, what about shellfish and what kind yes. of cloth you wear? You know, yeah, this is yeah, like yeah. 101 debunked yeah, level yeah, stuff. Yeah, that, that, that's, those are canards. Um, these may be things that you have oft, often heard uttered by people who are skeptical but maybe not always answered in a way that might satisfy their skepticism, or at least not satisfy it, but at the very least, challenge it in ways it hasn't been before. We're going to attempt to do that when we come back right here, live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned. back with hour two live and on demand and on the blaze i am steve dace todd and aaron are here as well 888-933-93 is the number steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us d-e-a-c-e is how you spell the last name like us on facebook 28 times at least because that's apparently how many revolutions around the sun uh, is necessary for us to at least obtain one like we, so we need you to click like 28 times. Uh, you can also just simply follow us on Twitter as well, at Steve Dace Show. Um, you know, we are entering now, uh, St. Patty's Day is coming up on Sunday. Uh, and by the way, he wasn't Irish, I believe. Wasn't he British? I believe he was British, right? He was a British missionary to Ireland. And if you've never done this before, Google St. Patrick's Prayer. Because there's, he like wrote his own autobiography, which, well, that's what an autobiography is, Steve. Yeah, he wrote an autobiography. Thank you. Uh, and like his memoirs of his time as a missionary and including some of his prayers are in there. And there, this isn't like an ad for Guinness. I mean, this is like serious theology that is going down here associated uh, with this event uh, on Sunday that is normally associated with parades and revelry and things of that nature. The reason why I'm noting it, other than it's coming up this weekend, is it's usually one of the key benchmarks. Sometime between Valentine's Day and St. Patty's Day is when a lot of studies show the resolve goes out in those New Year's resolutions. And polls show every year nowadays the number one New Year's resolution is getting healthier, losing weight. If that's you, it may not necessarily be your fault. 
Meaning, meaning that the resolve may be the, the reason you lost your resolve is you, you really went into this all in and then didn't see the results that you wanted. Uh, one of the things that happens to us as we get older is our metabolism slows down, you know, and if that's you, let me give you a suggestion. All right. And it's not a stimulant. If it was a stimulant full of chemicals or something you picked up at the convenience store, I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. But this is an all natural supplement uh, from our friends at Riduzone. Uh, and that's what it's called. Riduzone. Uh, and it's got one particular ingredient. When you turn it over on the bottle, by the way, you're only going to see three or four ingredients. That's almost always a good sign. Well, Steve, what if the first ingredient's arsenic? Well, let me have some common sense. All right. If, if you pick up a bottle and it's only got three or four ingredients and the first ingredient says arsenic, don't take it. All right. Do I have to? This is like the New York City reminding people what to do yeah. on a toilet seat. Right. <laughs> so that's why I didn't say it's always a good sign. But usually nowadays it's a good sign when you turn over a bottle and there's only three and four, three or four ingredients. We turn over the bottle on Zone, That's all you'll see. And one of the main ingredients is called OEA. Now, this is something our bodies produce. Uh, some of our pets even produce it. As we get older, though, we produce less of it. Where you find it a lot is in olive oil. So you got a couple of options here. You guys love your binary choices these days. They're all the rage. So let me give you one. Uh, go to the store, drink a half bottle of olive oil a day after you buy the bottle, of course. Don't be a thief. Uh, buy a bottle of olive oil, drink a half a bottle a day. Now, Todd does that with vinegar, okay? But drink a half bottle of olive oil a day. You might think that's... Uh, that's a little intense. Or you can just take one pill, one capsule of Riduzone. Uh, and right now you can try Riduzone for 30% off a three-month supply if you use my name, Steve, as a promo code. Riduzone.com is the website. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Riduzone.com. Uh, that's boosting your metabolism with summer just around the corner. Riduzone.com. All right, let's get to today's Truth Bomb, which is going to be a good lead-in to Feedback Friday, brought to you by my new book, Truth Bombs Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. You can pick up your copy bookstores everywhere. Apparently, it gets displayed next to Kamala Harris's book. Ironic, I know. Or you can just go to Amazon.com, where you can just go directly and buy the book without gazing upon Kamala Harris's tome. Uh, and if you have bought the book and you read it and you liked it, if you would leave us a five-star review at Amazon, we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, over 100 of you have done that for us already so far. So thank you uh, to all of you that have done so. Um, I want to get into this email from one of our listeners named Ronnie. And the reason why we're giving it its own segment today on a Feedback Friday is because I think Ronnie touches on where people struggle in their unbelief. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read Ronnie's email without interruption first. And then we're going to go back through it and, and, and try to individually address the issues that he raises, okay? Hey. I've been watching your show since you came to The Blaze, he writes. I must say, you make for a pretty good pastor because your belief in an almighty God seems to be second to none. But today I watched you answer Joseph's five questions. I'm a 58-year-old man who believes in actual reality, which, is, which to me is headed by common sense. I don't begrudge people for believing in what or whomever they choose. That said, there is no definitive proof that there's a God of any kind. But there is plenty of common sense reality that concludes there is not. I totally get it. Humans need to believe there's a Savior. That's also reality. I'm pretty sure you will assume I'm some radical atheist. And I don't really care, even though that isn't reality. I could say so much, but I know what I say or think doesn't matter. Another reality. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and I'm sure you'll have a strong response to each. 
I'll say this first. The Bible is inundated with stories that are fantasy and nonsensical at best. Contradictions also permeate the book, etc. Number one, what kind of God sits idle on his throne while looking down at the perpetual horrendous pain and suffering consuming his great creation? Certainly not an all-loving and all-merciful God. Number two, what kind of God purposely creates human beings knowing the existence he gave would in no way, shape, or form equate to a gift? Number three, the second coming. How many billions of innocent lives does God need to witness being slaughtered before he's had enough and decides it's time to come back and realizes his alleged great creation is actually his worst? And number four, why not simply make himself known instead of being vague? An almighty God who epitomizes arrogance and narcissism doesn't define a person I would bow to. With all due respect, Mr. Dace, I can't make myself believe in something or someone who tells you he or she is worthy of believing in because he or she isn't. Again, I believe in reality and believing there is a loving, merciful, almighty God who would assure his children will, most, will mostly suffer in life is not realistic. To reiterate, if his or her greatest creation is human beings, he or she failed miserably. Religion is responsible for hundreds of millions of deaths. The free will thing is always the go-to reasoning, which is bull. Thank you, sir. And I like how this ends. All the best to you. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that ending. I love it. Um, all right. So let's let's go through the the issues he raises individually. Okay. Uh, let's start with this statement. Ronnie says, I'm a 58-year-old man who believes in actual reality, which to me is headed by common sense. How do you know that? Yep. What is reality? What is, your, what is reality? How do you know? I don't know. How do you know? How do you know this? How do you know what is or is not real? By what, by what origin would you define reality? follow up to that where did the authority where was the authority granted to you ronnie to determine that origin is what defines reality to you um how would you define common sense lots of cultures had ideas of common sense at the time that were horrific we've had ideas of common sense in this culture that were horrific. We thought it was common sense that black people were not people and chattel. We thought it was common sense to round up folks with uh, Asian looking faces and put them in internment camps. I don't even have to give you like extreme examples, you know, from other countries. I don't have to even violate Godwin's law. We can look in our own, our own history. There's been lots of things that people thought were common sense. Right now, there's millions of Americans who think it's common sense to murder a child that they don't want. It's just common sense not to make a woman have a baby she doesn't want to have. Common sense, right? So where does your notions of common sense come from, Ronnie? And by what authority, and the reason I'm using the, I'm using the word authority on purpose for what we're going to talk about later, by what authority do you claim the right to determine what sense is common or makes sense whatsoever? How would we answer those questions on our own? Do you know how we would answer those questions on, on our mm -hmm. own? No. I don't know where we would answer those questions on our own. Do you know, Aaron? 
unless we just were okay with being completely subjective about everything, every reality of our, or every our reality mm-hmm. of our experience, then uh, yeah, we can't we can't answer that. If I may, here's one of the problems out of the gate. The, the term common sense starts with the word common, casting a broad net over things. You haven't really done that. Uh, you're, you're, in fact, being quite myopic because if this is common sense, you would allow more people into the pool. You wouldn't be so dismissive. And you'd realize that some of the greatest science and reason-based minds throughout human history have been Firm believers in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. We can talk about Sir Isaac Newton if you want to. We could talk about a lot of the great the ones who started most of the universities throughout Europe. Bunch of crazy Christians. So if you really want to get common, let's get common. He says there's plenty of common sense that concludes there is not an all-powerful God. I totally get it. Humans need to believe there is a Savior. Um. Why would human yeah, beings need to believe there's exactly. a savior? Why would they need to believe that? Why is that their common sense? Steve? Yes. Where why wh- where did you get where did your common sense inform you that there's definitive proof there is no god? Now, I'm assuming what your answer would be are the things that you're going to mention here later on. We'll get to those in a second, but my but I would follow up with another question to you, Ronnie. Why do you need to believe in actual reality? As you define it, why do you need common sense? Why do you need any order whatsoever? See, we're not really having an argument over whether there's order to the universe or not. We're really having an argument. And none of these are ever arguments to that. Ever? Ever. They're always arguments over who gets to define what the order is and where it's going. It's always a question of authority. Right away, you have asserted your own authority over your own reality. Who gave you such authority? Why do you presume to have it? You're essentially saying, I don't want the Christian definition of reality imposed on me. I want to be able to impose my common sense definition of reality upon you. So let's not, let's not be trite. Let's not let's not claim some piety on either side of the argument where none exists. Let's the year of no BS. What you and I are about to debate, Ronnie, is who really determines the order of things. We're really debating authority. That's what we're really debating. Because once the government removes the God, the government will become the God. Once you remove God from your conscience, you will be God of your conscience. There's always going to be an authority. It's just a matter of whether it's the right one. So let's not pretend this is random. Let's not, I'm, I'm going to treat you honestly. And it appears based on your email, you are willing to do the same with me and that's good. So right away, let's not pretend that one of us is not trying to impose an order on the other. We both are. And in every conversation like this all over the universe in the history of the human species, we've always been trying to impose an order on the other. It's just a matter of which order is worthy of the imposition. So let's get to your specifics. Number one, what kind of God sits idle? First of all, right away. Where does your authority to determine the premise of this question comes from? Who gave you the right to determine justification? Who gave you the right to determine 
what's fairness? Because that's implied in the in the in the question, what kind of God? Where 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 do you get this authority from? Then you then you say sits idle. Define idle. I D L E. Now there's an irony there, of course, but I D L E is the idol we're talking about here. How would you define idol? Where would you get that definition from? How do human beings know what sitting idol is? What kind of God sits idle on his throne while looking down at the perpetual horrendous pain and suffering consuming his greatest creation? Certainly not an all-loving and all-merciful God. Now, here's where you and I would actually agree. I would agree with you that an all-loving and all-merciful God would not sit idle on his throne and look down at the perpetual horrendous pain and suffering. I think we would all agree with that, right? Right. I mean, if God defines himself as all-loving and merciful— and then were to see and gaze upon great suffering and do nothing about it. One of these things is not like the other, right? These, the, the, the math doesn't work here, It's almost right? like he's a kid with a, a magnifying glass right. with ants. Right. What about a God who leaves his throne, puts himself into human form in order to suffer alongside with and for his creation to give them a new way, a new commandment, a new testament, a new guide for how to live in a fallen world that then, that then sends them the power within them to do so and spares them the penalty for the pain and anguish they have caused by taking that penalty upon himself. I agree with you. It is not it is not all loving and merciful for God to stay idle in response or sit idle in response to suffering. But that's not what God did. He left his throne. He came here. That's that's what we sing every Christmas. That when we could not get to heaven, heaven came to us. That's that's the Christmas story. So that creates a dilemma between you and I. Is Jesus real? And see, this is the beauty and and challenge of Christianity. Is I'm not, and neither is Jesus, asking you to accept the truth of who he is on the basis of, of your ability to accept a heterodoxy or an orthodoxy or a hermeneutic or an exegesis or a philosophy, but on a very practical calculation. Did he walk out of the tomb or not? Now, all those big words I just used matter greatly, but only if he walked out of the tomb. If he never came to earth, lived the life we could not live, took on the punishment and penalty we all deserve and could not pay, died the death we should have died, and rose again to prove he alone is God. If that didn't happen, 
then I'm going to probably have a lot of the same complaints you have. Because the rest of this doesn't make any sense at all. So you're really saying he's asking too many questions. It's really just one question. We're really, that, That's why I also boiled it down in the beginning. We're really not arguing about, is there order to the universe? Because everybody needs to start with some order. So we're really just answering one question. Whose order is it? Same thing here. We're really answering one question. Did he walk out of the tomb or not? That's it. It really just comes down to that. Did he walk out of the tomb or not? And what are the, what's the evidence that he did? You want some, how about some real practical evidence? One of the most fundamental aspects of human civilization is the keeping of time. You yourself said you wanted actual reality. You yourself said you wanted common sense. We changed as a species. We changed and marked time. Meaning the marker by which we literally base our lives. Time. We fundamentally marked and changed time. Our recognition of it in recognition of what? Rising. Yes. The rise, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, I don't know what other... You want some common sense, brother. I'll give you some common sense. Human civilization changed the way it marked time on the basis of the recognition of this event. Can I echo that? Because he keeps using that term common sense, but we're gonna we've had multiple instances now where what the common people actually do and think and say, he thinks is crazy. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to use common sense if you don't actually believe in it. Point to it where it really lives, how it breathes, what it yeah. thinks. If you think, if you, basically, you don't have common sense. You have elitism. You have the opposite of common sense. You're putting yourself above and beyond the common. That's yeah, why I said a, we're debating the authority of whose order is it. Yes. Another dose of common sense. I mean, how, I mean, the, essentially the question that you started off with in, in this section of the email, how could a good God allow evil? Well, how could a God be good without evil? That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. See, now what's going to happen is you're, some of you are already writing this email and you're going to give me your 75 other evidences for the resurrection that I should have used that are better evidence than this. Save, spare yourself because I've read the same books you have probably, okay? Ronnie is not a construct. Ronnie is not a proposition. Ronnie is Ronnie. I am responding to Ronnie on the basis of which he challenged me. What is the basis he challenged me upon? What's the word he kept using, or the phrase? Common sense. Ronnie wants to have a conversation about common sense. I'm going to have a conversation with Ronnie on the basis of the one he sought out to have with me. We finished our study in Colossians yesterday. Paul said, hey, have wisdom in how you live with outsiders. When words of grace are needed, use words of grace. When words of season that are seasoned with salt are needed, season them with salt. Ronnie did not come to me with a 35-point philosophical treatise. Ronnie came to me wanting and seeking resolution to the conflict within his understanding of common sense. Right? Do you remember as a younger man when the light bulb went above your head? 
over your head when you realize that one of the keys to argumentation, effective argumentation, is doing what you're talking Actually about right now? Actually answer the question that's asked yes. as opposed to the question I want to I ask. I remember it vividly. Oh, I I like, oh wow, this is yeah. cool. This is why I do Q&A whenever I do public speaking because it prevents, because I'm, I'm the kind of, I'm the person, the reason why I know you're writing me that email because I'm the kind of person that writes emails to guys like me, like you're about to write to me. I'm that guy. I'm the guy that you bring in to speak at your group and I speak for 45 minutes and I love what I said, but I'm not entirely sure that I actually spoke what you guys wanted me to talk about. That's why I open it up to questions so that I know I'm addressing the topics you care about that you brought me here to address and I'm not out here pontificating. I'm not answering, uh, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not writing a tome. Here, here's all the messianic prophecies Jesus, I'm not writing a book. I'm responding to Ronnie. I'm responding to Ronnie. And Ronnie, Ronnie's, Ronnie's struggling with how to rectify common sense with things that don't make sense. So I'm, I'm not going to answer questions Ronnie didn't ask me. I'm going to answer the questions that Ronnie asked. Because Jesus didn't die for your arguments or mine. Who did he die for? Ronnie. He died for Ronnie. So, Ronnie, you want some common sense. What is more common than how human civilization marks and keeps time. Can't, it can't be more fundamental than that. Might get you wondering at the very least. At yeah. the very least, yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe there's some sense out there that's a, to what people like me believe that's a lot more common than you've considered previously, Ronnie. As to your next challenge, what kind of God purposely creates human beings knowing the existence he gave would in no way, shape, or form equate to a gift? Ronnie, is there nothing good in your life? You love no one? No one loves you? You've had no blessings? I'm going to even grant your premise that that's actually the moral transaction that's occurred here. I don't agree with that. I'm going to say for the record, I don't agree with this premise. But for the sake of this argument, I will grant his premise. In your 58 years, Ronnie, you have experienced no goodness this side of heaven. None. <clears throat> no, no, no pride, no achievement. No love given and, and returned. None? I, I don't believe that's true because chances are you wouldn't have lasted 58 years on this earth if that weren't the case. So given then, it, common sense would dictate the fact that you've lasted on this planet for 58 years. You wouldn't have if you lived in total nihilistic despair. Common sense! says you likely would not have kept going on this planet this long for 58 years in total nihilistic despair. That means somewhere you, Ronnie, must have experienced some love, some hope, some gift, some blessing. Where did it come from? What prompted you to provide it to others and provoked others to provide it for you? So right away, we're agreeing, then, your second point, you've, you've offered a fallacy to us. Your own life, the fact that you've been here for 58 years, indicates that in some way, shape, or form, your existence has offered a gift to you or someone else that you have blessed with it. Right? Yeah. So... Again, you don't really believe what you're saying because you haven't really game-planned out really the fullness of the consequences of, of this challenge that you're making.
So again, we're back to the original premise. Whose order? Whose authority? Where did any of this goodness in your life come from? Why did you give it to others? Why did they give it to you? Because if human beings are so bad that they have no hope, why, why did they do any good at all? Number three, the second coming. How many billions of innocent lives does God need to witness being slaughtered before he's had enough and decides to come back and realize his allegedly great creation is actually his worst? Now, I'm fascinated by the duality. You want to give it? Well, this guy's a Blaze subscriber. Right. He thinks mankind is the worst creation ever. I mean, I, what do you, you're just throwing good money after bad if you're watching this. It's not just the Steve Day show, any of these shows. What, what are you coming to us for on a regular basis for if you believe man sucks so bad? Because that's not what we're peddling over here. So you're regularly paying money to hear a message of hope, possibility, excellence, and you think mankind sucks? I don't, this is what trolls living under the bridge say, man. I'm fascinated by the notion that Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie seems upset that the God he doesn't believe is there hasn't been more punitive, hasn't, hasn't meted out more punishment. Wipe them out. Yes. All of them. Yes. This is where, which, which God do you want? Do you, do you, do you, do you want a savior or do you want a judge? I have good news for you because the only true living God is actually both. Your savior is the judge of both the living and the dead. So I could turn your question around. Given everything you just said about what humanity does to one another, why does, why, why does God bother with us at all? Why did he save us at all? Why does he save any? Because, going back to your first point, he is an all-loving and merciful God. His ways are not like your ways. He's not doing the same math you are, but, but Ronnie, let's do the math that we do as human beings. You ever loved anybody in spite of how they've disappointed you, how they've greatly let you down? Why did you do that? You're weak. Why didn't you immediately give up on them? This is, this is the class, this is what we call in philosophy, personification. You are projecting your personal positions, attributes, perspectives upon something outside of yourself. And then, and then you're disappointed when it doesn't act the way that you otherwise would. You can't have it both ways. We'll come back more in a moment. Stay tuned. <laughs> 
major cell phone carriers in the country. And the reason why is it, it's so dang expensive for every carrier to put up their own towers. So for the most part, you're kind of getting the same network. I mean, there's individual places in the country where some networks are stronger than others. I don't deny that. Um, but you pretty much get the same network nationwide, uh, really regardless of company. That's why they're even competing with each other by admitting this now. One, one major carrier is competing with another right now saying, hey, our coverage network is only 1% worse than theirs, but our costs are a lot less. So come with us, right? So um, this is why you need to look at what is really the difference then. Well, the major difference is how they spend your money when you give it to them. And a lot of these are companies run by progressives that will then turn around and support a lot of leftist progressive causes. If you're like, I'd rather have my money go to causes I support, check out Patriot Mobile. The CEO of Patriot Mobile is a former combat veteran who served in both Iraq wars and Afghanistan. And he and the founders of Patriot Mobile realized, hey, if the left can use their corporate interests to fund their values, then conservatives can do the exact same thing. Join the thousands of Americans using Patriot Mobile today. It's easy to switch. And their unlimited talk and text plans start as low as $20 a month. Mention the blaze when you call 1-800-A-PATRIOT. That's 1-800-A-PATRIOT. Make sure the A is in there. Mention the blaze. Or if you visit them online at patriotmobile.com slash blaze, you can get free activation on up to two lines. patriotmobile.com slash blaze. 1-800-A-PATRIOT. Mention the blaze if you do that. And you can get up to free activation uh, or free activation on up to two lines. All right, let's continue with Ronnie's email here. His final point that he wants to address. Why not simply, why doesn't God simply make himself known instead of being vague? I, I don't know how much more known you can be other than I'm going to come to earth for 33 years. I'm going to have to nurse with my mother the way human children do. My, my family's going to have to teach me how to, uh, how to train me to be, how, how to potty train me. They're going to have to teach me language. They're going to have to teach me how to eat. I'm going to have to learn the local customs. I'm going to have to go to school. I'm going to have to learn a trade. I'm going to walk on the same dirty ground. I'm going to have to relieve myself in the same bushes and deserts. Bathe in the same uh, rivers, ponds. Eat the same food. Sweat the same sweat. Uh, I mean, experience the same cold, need the same sleep. How much more plain can you make it than that? You can't, you can't make yourself any more well-known to your people than being one of them. Emmanuel, God, with, literally, with us. You can't make it any more plain than that. So here's where we are. Ronnie, you want, you want God to make himself known to you in the way that you're comfortable with, that you anticipate, that you approve of. God wants you to approve of the way he's already made himself known and related to you. One of you is God, and therefore, 
has the authority to exercise the leverage in this equation, in this relationship. The other is not. You decide, Ronnie, which are you? Are you God? With your, with no origin other than what I believe is practical and with no common other than what I think sense is common. Are you God? That's really what it comes down to. And, that, and it, by the way, this isn't just for Ronnie. This is for all of you watching and listening to me right now. Either worship Ronnie as God or God is God. Because Ronnie's objection to worshiping God, other than I just want to continue sinning, I don't. I think Ronnie is an earnest seeker of truth. That's probably one of the reasons why he subscribes to something like The Blaze. So the person who just says, you know, I really just want, I like my sin, I'm going to die in it. Now that, shake your dust off the sandals and just move on. But Ronnie has come to Mars Hill here. He's come to the Areopagus to join us. He wants, to use a term that was once uh, offered at a Wittenberg door 500 years ago, he wants a disputation. That's what this is when you say that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So let's have one. Either Ronnie or those who think like him are God or God is God. Which is it? Which, which do you believe the evidence shows is more worthy of worshiping? Is more worthy of obeying? Because what you're really saying, Ronnie, is God hasn't pleased you enough for you to worship him. So this takes us all the way back to the very beginning of this conversation. Where does your authority to make these judgments come from? Who granted this authority to you? And if you have it, we should worship you. We should follow Ronnie. Any final thoughts on this? Well, I, I think you nailed it there because, again, going back to the common sense, if you if you believe that your comment says that man is a, an utter joke, uh, you would either be a nihilist uh, uh, on some level uh, or live just to live, eat, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Or you would understand our camp a lot better. You would understand you're broken too, and you would start searching. You might not be right where we are, but you'd lo be looking for how to deal with it. So you're, but you're not in either one of those camps. You're in the camp Steve is talking about. You're a Gnostic. This this is a timeless timeless problem within Christendom and with thinking in general about God. You, you, all this common sense that you have in applying to everybody else, you don't apply to yourself, really. You, you're out clauses, I'm a little bit more special than all the rest. And so you're asking questions, you, you claim like God is just common sense, don't believe it, but you have so many questions about God, you can't leave him alone. Why? Why? Because you can't reconcile the fact that you need to think that you are special, but you're very wrong about how you are special. You are indeed special, Ronnie, because God loves you. That's why. But you're not special for all the reasons you think you are, and all the reasons that you think you are special are forcing you to try to condemn God, to try to condemn your fellow man in ways that are not in line with God's mercy and justice that he, Steve talked about before. Playing Ronnie's advocate for a little bit, he, he might respond. Uh, you know, he might respond with with more questions to some of your answers. Um, one of which would be, 
the issue of nihilism and and or the lack thereof and, and what are you living for and um when you start to ask that line of question we an- or you answered all of his questions and asked a few more um but when it comes to meaning and purpose some of these more ethereal questions mm-hmm. or esoteric questions uh where are your answers um, meaning and purpose. I, I assume that Ronnie would answer in the affirmative. Yes, he's loved somebody. Yes, he's been loved by somebody. Yes, there are things in his life that are good. Um, how, how do you know that they're good, one? Where did this all come from, though? Where, where are the big answers about uh, the cosmos, if you want to talk, if you want to call mm-hmm. it that? Where are your answers for those things? I think we did a pretty good job of answering your questions where are your answers and where do you get right where, where do you get um the premises for what you're asking that's right on the money i i've 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 tried most of the major worldviews in this world and the only one that anna answers why the world is the way it is and why we are the way we are and what can be done about it the only one that answers all of those things is the biblical worldview you may not like all those answers. I don't like some of them. Like I'm not real fond of loving my enemies, for example. Not real fond of that. Okay. Um, I'm not real fond of mercy triumphing over judgment, except when it's my judgment. I'm really not fond of mercy, mercy triumphing over y'all's judgment. <laughs> I'm not fond of that. All right. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't agree. I don't like all of the answers. But the only one that can answer all of those fundamental questions is this one. The rest of them can't answer these questions. They can only promote and provoke more questions. And what Aaron said there at the end is so key. You may not like the biblical worldview's answers to these dilemmas, but then what are yours? You may not like the moral law. Well, where's your moral law come from then? Why should we follow yours? You may not like divine accountability then. Okay, well, then who should we be accountable to? Why the hell should I be, literally, why the hell should I be accountable to you? Who the hell are you? Really? Why should I follow you? Because, I mean, someone's going to be God here. We've, we, we, this was, this, these are always an authority debate. Always. 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 Regardless of what the answers are, they're always a debate of authority. Choose ye this day whom you will serve, one or the other. Let's get to the rest of uh, Feedback Friday. Thanks for the note, Ronnie. And if you have any follow-ups, man, keep them coming. We're fine keeping this line of conversation going here on the program. Yeah, and it's just, seriously, just to reinforce that, it's not just because we like, uh, uh, just not, not just because we like uh, sparring. Right? These, we, all three of us really enjoy yes. conversations like this. Yeah, I got into this business for this stuff. All right. It's just along the way I, I had to, uh, you know, I had to go through uh, the jungles of uh, people's uh, horse plate. Um, Hey, do you struggle to get started each day? Have bursts of productivity? Today was the uh, my jump squat workout, high cardio workout. So you know what I did beforehand? I dropped a couple of dawn to dusk energy supplements from our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition. Uh, and this is not, again, don't get your stuff um, that you, don't get your supplements, don't get your energy boost from where you buy gas, Okay. All right, you don't buy gas from Brickhouse Nutrition. What do you get from Brickhouse Nutrition? What do you get there? Nutrition. What do you get from a gas station? Gas. Okay. 
right? Don't get, get, get it from the people that know what they're doing here. All natural, not a stimulant, all right? Not full of chemicals. This is all natural done the way nature and your creator intended. And it also uh, provides clean, natural burst of energy for up to 10 hours, no jitters, no afternoon crash, no calories, and no sugar as well. If this sounds like something you want to try, you can visit visit BrickHouseSteve.com right now and give it a go. Uh, and get your bottle of this groundbreaking formula using promo code Steve for 15% off of your first order. BrickHouseSteve.com. BrickHouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve. And get 15% off of your first order. All right, let's go through a few more uh, notions of feedback here. Aaron writes, not this Aaron, but another. Hey, Steve, the Facebook shadow banning topic the other day was great. I run a small business and have a Facebook page for it. For years now, I've been stuck at the same like total. My business page is not political at all, but my personal page that is linked to the business page is very conservative. When you're a conservative, the only thing that ever works is paying Facebook for likes. It drives me crazy to see my competitors I'm beating have like totals consistently rise while my page just keeps spinning, uh, you know, spinning its wheels and losing market share. Unfortunately, it seems we've been branded with a scarlet C. Thanks for all you do. I had numerous responses to our shadow banning video along the lines of the of the email I just got from Aaron. From and and like from people like all over America sent us this. You're stuff. not paranoid if they're really following no, you, brother. No, you're not. Leo says, Mr. Dace, I listened to your podcast answering Joe's questions the other day. I agree that blind devotion to the GOP can become a form of idolatry. Question, can true conservative opposition to the GOP also develop into its own idolatry? Oh, yes. I think it was Molly Hemingway at the Federalist who first coined this phrase several years ago. Absolute never Trumpism corrupts every bit as much as absolute Trumpism. Wasn't she the one that coined that phrase? And uh-huh. and, and we talked about this actually though in the first hour of the show. Yeah. When we talked, when we mentioned the, the GOP smart set lost its poo that Ben Sass voted for border protection yesterday. We thought you agreed, orange man, bad. And then we, we, the agreement here was we would do all our virtual signaling and all of our fake constitutional protections under the clause of orange man, bad. I thought we all agreed to that because listen, if you're one of those accounts who couldn't get enough of preemptive war and Medicare Part D and race to the top and Common Core under George W. Bush. All those conservative things. Yes, and now you just can't even with Trump declaring an emergency at the border when your favorite paper, the New York Times, is literally chronicling right now, an emergency at the border! Um, I've got a, I've got a couple of words for you that I, I can't say on the radio, so I'll just use these two words instead. Ben Sass. <laughs> So yes, Leo, absolutely, yes, okay? And my, listen, if you want to know, Steve, what is Leo talking about? Just jump in my Twitter mentions every day. Literally, well, let me rephrase that. Every, every day if I tweet something about Donald Trump, or even if I don't, I tweeted something today translating what happened to Beto O'Rourke in Keokuk, Iowa yesterday when he tried to drop a Tinder reference and one woman cougar in the audience who comes to Des Moines for Def Leppard reunion concerts laughed. All right. Because she was like probably swiping right, right as he was talking. And then all the other old people in, and these are my peeps. These are our peeps right here. Stoic, no reaction. Cause they, they're like, why is he talking about firewood? Okay. First mention 
in to this tweet. Actually, Steve, I have a real joke for you. Uh, it's a certain presidential candidate who promises I hire all the best people. Okay, that yes. Wow. Okay, that yes, that's you. So, Leo, yes, yes, ten trillion times yes. The answer to your question is yes. And I see it every my day, every day for the last few years has essentially been defined by a good portion of of, of potential consumers on the basis whether I am willing to to love my monkey, Dita, touch it, love it. My show, I should call this show Sprockets, because that's really what it is. It is you in the audience asking me, love my monkey, touch it. Now's the time on Sprockets when we dance. That's what this is. That's what it is. Hell, I'm even wearing a black shirt up to my neck today. That's what it is. Do I love your monkey? Is orange is orange man bad when he's good? And is orange man good when he's bad? That's most of my career nowadays. That's why I spent 35 minutes talking to Ronnie about something that has nothing to do with the orange man. Although I am sure many of you decided your your thoughts on my my responses to Ronnie on whether or not I'm on the right side of your side of the orange man today. Yeah. What do you know about apolog- apologetics if you didn't vote for Trump? Yes. I have been told I am hurting my Christian witness because I didn't vote for Trump. I have been told that I am I I I, I hurt my Christian witness if I if I if I if if I wasn't willing to never vote for him ever again. This is ridiculousness. And it goes on Constantly. It's become I'm anti I'm an anti-Trump conservative. Well, I'm an anti-anti-Trump conservative. Well, I'm an anti-anti-anti-anti-Trump conservative. I'm an anti-anti-anti-anti-anti-anti-Trump. Anti-Trump. Anti. Oh hell, I don't know. You know what I'm just gonna do? I'm just gonna tell you what I think. All right. And as long as enough people want to listen to it, that the checks from the Blaze Cash, cool. And then you guys can all make up your own damn minds. But if you know you, if you like it, slap a label on it. Whatever label you like. All right, I don't. I'm I'm done arguing your labels. I, I I'm I'm out. I'm out of that business. That sounds exactly like somebody somebody a Trump puppet would say. <laughs> or that or that's that sounds like what every, what every never that sounds like exactly what a never Trumper would say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're in deep covers, Steve Dace. Deep cover. We got about a minute. Final thoughts, gentlemen, or 30 seconds. Anybody? Ronnie and Joe from this week. Bottom line, God bless. That's well said. I'm Say, gonna let, I'm gonna let that stand. And and don't don't drive in any ditches. Aaron Aaron wants you to know that as well. Have a great weekend. Spring is just around the corner. Happy St. Patty's Day until Monday, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.